What's up, everyone? Welcome to the EOS Fireside Chat for October 12th. For those of you who are new uh, to the community, let me tell you what EOS is all about. EOS is a layer one smart contract platform that is governed by its community. It's the only crypto that has had a foundation emerge organically from within the community years after the launch of the network. Since the creation of the EOS Network Foundation one year ago, the new EOS has seen incredible acceleration of progress and innovation. The EOS Network Foundation has built an excellent team that has been able to quickly establish essential frameworks that empower the EOS community to do its best work and live its best life. Through foundational initiatives like the Recognition Grants, the Blue Paper Research Series, the Pomelo Crowdfunding Platform, the Direct Investment Framework, and the ongoing EOS Roadshow, the community has been activated and energized to a level not seen since the launch of the network in 2018. EOS is in the midst of an epic narrative reversal, and the new EOS has the potential to become the greatest crypto comeback story of all time. My name is Stefan. I'm one of the co-founders of EOS Nation, currently a top-ranked block producer on EOS and other antelope chains, and I'm happy and honored to be your host for today. So thanks, uh, thanks to everyone that's joining us. We've got uh, 25 of you in here uh, with us on Discord in the voice chat, where we, of course, encourage you to participate in the show at any time. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts, your questions, your reactions to the news of the week as we discuss uh, these topics with a variety of guests that we have on. So please feel free to jump into the conversation at any point and shout out to everyone tuning in on other platforms this show is streamed live to youtube twitter facebook and so uh thank you for tuning in if you're out there and maybe make the effort to come join us live on discord join us uh, at discord.gg front slash eos dash network so today we'll be talking of course about eos but also about the antelope ecosystem Antelope is the name for the community-owned blockchain software that powers a variety of highly performant blockchain networks, such as EOS, Telos, Wax, UTX, and many others. Today on the agenda, we've got Zach and Eve joining us, or will be joining us soon enough. Uh, they'll be talking about the EOS Roadshow currently going on. They've been all over the place, and uh, yeah, we are looking forward to hearing from them. Uh, the Token 2049 videos have been published this week as well, so we get to see uh, the speeches and talks uh, that Eve did over uh, in Asia two weeks ago, or yeah. Um, also in the news, we've got new Eden Chief Delegates. So we've got uh, Chris Barnes that's going to be joining us. We also have Waxa, both new Eden Chief Delegates that are, are, are joining us today, so hopefully we get to hear from them later on. Um, Chris Barnes also going to give us some EVM Ideathon Hackathon updates. Uh, there's an Antelope version 3.2 that was released uh, this week. We'll talk about uh, a new Trust EVM roadmap. We got uh, some Pomelo action, we got some NFTs and some surveys to talk about, and the Yield Plush Yield Plus full launch that has been announced. All right, so before we get into uh, all of those great topics, reminder to state your name when you're jumping on the mic to join the show. Uh, also, share some memes and images in the chat. We, sh we stream that chat out to uh, you know all the other platforms, and it's always nice when we've got more visual elements going on. So 
Don't be afraid to share some images of stories we're talking about or just some, so, some of your favorite EOS memes or whatever it is. Uh, we love to see it. Um, of course, the POP token giveaway is going on. You can join the POP bot chat and friend slash register your account name to sign up for the, your POP token for today. And we've also got the Road to 10K promo still going on, um, which we're getting actually very close to our first prizes. So when we reach 6,000 members in the server, which I anticipate is going to happen in the uh, next couple of weeks, um, we'll be giving out uh, you know 50 EOS to the to the person who's invited the most people. And I checked the leaderboard just now, and that's actually Chris Barnes leading with 65 invites. So congratulations to, to Chris, and thank you, Chris, for uh, you know inviting so many people to the EOS community server. Um, second to fifth place is 25 EOS each, and there's. The, there, there's not that many uh, invites in that range, so there's a little cliff after Chris Barnes. Um, sixth to 25th actually get four pop tokens each. So that's actually pretty good. Uh, and definitely, you only need one invite right now to qualify for that category of prizes. So try to get, uh, you know, invite a friend over. And when we reach this 6,000, you'll earn uh, four pop tokens. And then actually everyone who participates in this promo so you get one invite in, uh, you're actually guaranteed one pop token too. So you can grab those pop tokens, enter the raffle at the end of the month, uh, trade them in for other cool NFTs on EOS and potentially other things down the road. All right. So that uh, covers the housekeeping. Let's get into the good stuff. Token 2049 videos and recap. Um, however, Seems like even Zach are not uh, with us yet. I know they have a, a meeting prior to this and sometimes or oftentimes it goes long. Uh, so we'll get back to that. Um, if uh, so, so instead, we'll start with uh, the Eden election that happened last Saturday. So like I mentioned, we have a few uh, chief delegates with us today. So that's great. I'm going to, I guess, invite uh, Chris Barnes again to the stage or definitely a regular to the fireside. And uh, yeah, congrats, Chris, on becoming an Eden Chief Delegate once again. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing your thoughts about uh, the election. And uh, yeah, more, more. Awesome. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, appreciate the, uh, the warm welcome and uh, happy to be a regular guest here. Um, so Eden was, uh, I, I think it was a, a successful election. We had uh, 82 opting in participants. There was a lot of uh, what's. One thing that's fun about these elections is the Eden UI. So it's uh, uh, genesis.eoscommunity.org, I think is the, use the website. Maybe can someone put it in the chat. But during the election, you can actually see how people are voting live. So when you're done or if you're just a spectator, you can kind of watch and see the votes move back and forth. And in fact, I don't know if anyone caught it, but today at uh, 1400 UTC, um, or maybe it was 1600 UTC. There was a video that came up from Bywire on their YouTube, and it was basically a, sort of like a, a, a top clips of some of the past elections, starting with the very beginning Genesis meeting with Dan, and then it uh, showed the most recent one. And you can see some of the. There's some really good clips from I think two elections ago where uh, Eve is doing a real great job on the play-by-play, -play going through like, oh look, they changed their vote, and this has never happened, and everyone's voting for themselves, and. So it's kind of like a, it's like a typical, like a sports event almost, which is sounds so silly to say when you're talking about politics or elections, but it's actually pretty neat. So, um, and especially when you know the people involved, like a lot of the Eden folks are, 
active community members. So a lot of us, you know, we know who they are and it's, you kind of, you got maybe have your favorites. So you're doing some rooting in the background. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. The election itself, great success. We had uh, every room came to consensus. There was no stalled rooms, a couple close calls where it looked like we might've saw a stall. And you need, when you're in these elections and you're randomized into your rooms, you need to get a super majority, which is a two third plus one of, of those who are voting. And if you don't, no one moves forward. So None of this, uh, you know, guaranteed someone moves on from around. If you don't have a sufficiently skilled consensus builder in a room, then no one goes ahead. So it, it's, you know, it's a really neat dynamic where this process does select for consensus builders. That's one of the key, regardless of what you're solving for at the end. In this case, it's to become a delegate and receive a part of the community funding. Um, you really does select for people who can achieve consensus. And I think that's really uh, unique and, and awesome about this democratic tool, where if you consider applying that to the world at large, if all of our leaders were selected in a means that that identified consensus builders, and those were the leaders of the planet, you can imagine how potentially more peaceful it would be because people would try to, these leaders would try to get consensus versus chucking bombs. So um, yes, election, 82 participants, we had uh, 20 make it to the first round. And then from then we have five that became chief delegates. So we got five chief delegates, 15 level one delegates. The level one delegates have all received uh, 493 EOS in their first month's distribution. And chief delegates received 2,220 EOS in their first month's distribution. And what that is, is it's 15% of the total Eden treasury is drawn and then distributed to the delegates, both level one and chief delegates. And so as the treasury is drawn down, then of course, that number will reduce, right? 15% of, of less tokens available. So, and that happens monthly and it will take place for the next three months. And in 12 weeks, we will have yet another election in uh, the first week of January. So certainly anyone who's like listening to this and think, oh, it sounds kind of neat. Uh, it's, you know, these happen pretty regularly. So there's lots of opportunities to still participate. Chief delegates, we've got myself, Chris Waxer from the Helios team, marketing background, Jesse Jaffe from the EOSBs, another marketing background. So I think that's really cool to have two really solid creative marketers as part of Eden now to help grow Eden, which the byproduct of growing Eden is, of course, it grows the EOS user base because you need an EOS account to participate in Eden. So there's a direct one-on-one -on -one relationship where it benefits the network. We've also got Reiki Cordon, who's got, uh, he's a brilliant dude, tons of experience with DAOs from the Seeds community, then Haifa DAO and uh, Regenerative Renaissance and Regen Civics. So he, I think, is going to bring a ton of brain power and just organization and just that that really like three, almost four, four years now experience and working in DAOs at the cutting edge, especially with the Haifa team early on. And then we've got uh, Javier from uh, the Edenia team or EOS Costa Rica, uh, a developer. So we're keeping that streak alive of having a developer always present um, as a, one of the chief delegates. So, and then myself, and I think, um, you know, I just like to talk. So that's what I bring to the table. And we've got a, so a good skill set, broad, diverse set of chief delegates. I think we'll be able to achieve a lot this term, um, one of which will be to ratify the new bylaws. And one of the neat things about Eden and this process is that leaders, once they're in power, they can't just change the rules to maintain their ability to remain in power. So if we as leaders now could change the rules so that we have an advantage for the next election, that's basically, that's called incumbent advantage. And that's how a lot of modern, modern democracies and politics work, where gerrymandering, you know, shuffling of the, the electoral districts and changing the rules to benefit themselves. In Eden, you can't do that. The previous chief delegates proposed rule changes to the bylaws. 
an election needs to take place. And now the current chief delegates have an opportunity to ratify those bylaws and they don't have to. So we can just, no, those rules suck. Uh, it's going to benefit one group or another. We just don't like them. They don't get ratified. And so be it, uh, which is a really cool, unique uh, part of the process. So that's it in general. Um, there was a full live stream also of the entire event. So if you want to see the play-by-play, -play, it's a long video, maybe uh, 2x at times you want to watch that. But that's also on the Bywire YouTube channel where uh, Michael did a great job of being the master of ceremonies. And um, uh, so, yeah, that full election is there. All the rounds, discussions in between. It's probably four or five hours, I think. So encourage folks, if you're really curious, give that a watch. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a brief update of how it went. Great stuff, Chris. Great. Thanks for the, thanks for the, the update. And, uh, yeah, congrats, uh, again. Um, Waxa is also a head, uh, a chief delegate. Um, Waxa, did you want to come on at this time and, uh, say hi and maybe talk a little bit about your experience, uh, in the election on Saturday? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Stefan. Appreciate you bringing me on. I think this is probably quite a good opportunity to let the community know what my intentions are, um, as I aim to, provide the benefit for everyone that's really interested in Eden, but as well, hopefully end up bringing more people to EOS as well as a, as a side effect. Um, the process itself was, it was fluid. It was interesting. It's obviously my first time as a chief delegate. And I think we've got a good selection of chief delegates um, with varied skill, various skill sets. Um, I'm grateful as well to be able to work alongside previous chief delegates. So hopefully the new blood like myself can hit the ground running and we can all work together collaboratively. So what I proposed during my pitch, um, as I've just finished the Eden Elections website for Chris Barnes, uh, which you can check out at edenelections.com, and that's plural on elections. I'll post that in chat in a moment. Um, so my proposal during the election was to kind of collate what all the various circles and Eden as a process, as well as the Eden Fractal under one umbrella. So it's a clear representation of a DAO. Um, I want to make a, a visual representation of that, which is intuitive, easy to explore in the form of a website. And it's something that we just don't have at the moment because what we do have is outdated. It's got the wrong dates on, et cetera. Um, yeah. So once we've got that structure, which is clearly defined, it should be easy to not only share that within the community so we can be more organized, but it, I think it'll be a good tool for outreach as well in introducing new members. So the second part of my plan, especially towards the last month, will be to create strategic marketing campaigns. And obviously, I'll be working with Jesse on his initiatives as well, which is certainly marketing focused. Um, if anyone has any questions, I'm certainly happy to answer them as well. If anyone would like to probe more into what I'm proposing, and I'll be putting out some workshops. Well, not necessarily workshops, but definitely be looking for feedback in the future as I start to develop the, the website. So I'm hoping to have a lot of community involvement. Okay, um, <laughs> cool. Uh, I was just sharing the site, uh, your site there in the chat, but then Chris Barnes shared uh, EdenElections.com and I shared the one without the S. Uh, which one is the one you were talking about? That's yeah. EdenElections.com. That's Chris Barnes' website, which he's just made. How fun is that, eh? We didn't even, we, it didn't dawn on us that Eden Elections singular was taken when we did Eden Elections. So anyway, now you got two very confusing sites. <laughs> yes. I'll remove my old link. 
uh, <laughs> in the chat there. But okay, cool. Thanks, Waxa, for uh, for sharing that update, sharing your your thoughts, and uh, and congrats again. On, Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, on your victory in Eden. All those. That's a weird way to say it. Um, okay, cool. Um, anyone else uh, participated in the uh, Eden election this weekend and want to share their thoughts? Uh, now would be a good time to jump on and say say hi to the community, share your thoughts. Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick. Um, Great. Can, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, from my from my vantage point, I, I thought that <clears throat> this was the best election yet. Um, it went so smoothly. Um, props to the Adenia team and everybody that made that possible. And yeah, it was just a pretty seamless event. I don't think we could have ended up with a better selection of chief delegates. I'm really stoked about everybody there such a great combination of skill sets and so i'm really looking forward to seeing what can get done over the next three months and the kind of trajectory that this new uh crew of chief delegates can put eden on but overall i don't think i've ever been more optimistic about eden becoming i guess self-sufficient and capable of managing its own infrastructure and and uh, expanding its service to the EOS community. So, yeah, left me. I participated, and, uh, yeah, I felt very optimistic afterwards, I got to say. That's great to hear. Yeah, I had to miss the, miss it this weekend. This uh, this last weekend was the first time I missed the Eden election. Didn't uh, Couldn't get out of the uh, family commitments at that time. Uh, but glad to hear uh, that it went down smoothly. And... Um, yeah, before we move on, actually, I want to highlight all the round one delegates that, that won as well. So we, of course, pay a lot of attention to the chief delegates, but I think it's nice to also uh, highlight everyone who won uh, round one. So uh, Dwayne Philippi won. Uh, I see you're in the chat here, Dwayne. If you want to say hi, feel free to jump in. Um, we had Karen. We had Patrick from Nova Crypto. We had uh, Felix, Hanryu. Crypto Dunker, Brian Harley Wilson, Gabriel Shaw, Douglas Butner, Vladislav, we had Michael Tulenko, Luke Stokes, Mark Epstein, Mohamed Diab Sanchez, and Edgar Fernandez, also winning uh, the, the round one delegates. So congratulations to all our round one delegate winners as well. Many of them are you you know habitual uh guests here on the far side which is great to see anyone else want to say say hi or, or or share their thoughts on the the eden election that went down last uh last call yeah sure yes Who yeah that? it was this is Dwayne. hey Dwayne. Uh, yeah really successful really uh top Top chief uh, candidates, and uh, really glad in uh, round one, I was given the task to uh, to push forward some agendas to uh, to have the Edinia crew uh, recognized in, in in one of those positions. So it's yeah, it's a great mix of the people that really uh, were behind the the code to 
to get the the Eden election site up and running. Um, and then, you know, we all know we need to expand, you know, our, our base so to see, you know, some great marketers be part of the uh, cheap delegates. So, yeah, it was really fun. And I'm glad I uh, represented our, our group and pushed forward some some uh, some of their objectives. So, yeah, it was, it was great. Awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing and, and congrats uh, as well, Dwayne. This is Andrew. I could, uh, or Drew Block. I could share a little, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I participated. Uh, great, great sound, by the way. Love Joy. That microphone's really doing the trick. Uh, um, I also participated in the election. I didn't go past um, the first uh, round of elections, but um, it was a great process. Very happy with uh, all the people who got selected. I was very interested in all of the people um, who are involved in HyphaDAO who are hopping in. It's very exciting to see because um, I know there's going to be some integra- some integration with uh, with HyphaDAO, so Eden will be integrated within HyphaDAO and vice versa. We're going to bring on the HyphaDAO tools for Eden, so I don't exactly know what that entails, so I'm very excited that we have people who do, who are actually going to be in uh, leadership positions. But uh, yeah, great, very fun process. That I think it uh, turned out with a great result. Great, thanks for sharing, uh, Andrew. Uh, Felix asked for a server unmute and it has been granted. Welcome to the show, Felix. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, so I, I participated as well. Uh, I got um, to the Eden delegate level uh, for this this fourth term uh but we also had a pretty good turnout for uh eden fractal representatives so um you know some of the things i talked about a lot is i see that eden fractal is a feature of eden and it it's really starting i feel like to kind of showcase the um you know what it, what it can bring to eden it allows uh the community to come to a weekly event and uh you know get to know other people in the community and this is encouraging community uh, engagement. So it, it was nice to see that we had several delegates who attend the Eden Fractal. And so, um, you know, going into this fourth term, what we're hoping to do is to, to you know, better integrate all these different features of Eden. You know, how all of this is going to integrate, but I definitely feel like we're building something here, uh, a, a really strong community. And so, you know, this is a big shout out to, to everyone who's interested uh, to get even more involved with the EOS community. Uh, you know, I believe you can do it here with what we've got going on in Eden. So, yeah, be sure to check us out. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear uh, the Infractal getting some representation in the election. All right. Anyone else uh, participate in the election? Want to share their thoughts? Yes, I'll share. Thanks, Stefan. Hey, this is Dogman. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? It, it, it made me laugh before when you talked about being victorious in Eden. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible way of putting it. Right. Anyways, we just have to roll with it. Right, cool. Yeah, I liked it. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to add, uh, under whatever you were saying, I think it was a really great election. Um, I'm really happy to ha- have helped uh, 
I like Javier as well. Uh, he's doing awesome work with the Dania, and I'm really excited about what all the chief delegates are doing. So thank you, everybody. It was a really great experience, and I'm really looking forward to working on all sorts of cool stuff with the Eden community. Also, thanks, Felix, for shouting out Eden Fractal. Um, and, and, and there have been... Um, we started meeting this morning, and it it seems to be like growing and evolving quite well. Um, we're getting more organized. There were three chief delegates there today, I believe. So Chris and Waxa and Chris and and Jesse were all there. And Jesse also talked about a big part of his platform is growing Eden with networking events with Eden Fractal too. So I encourage people to join those meetings on Wednesdays at uh, thirteen UTC. There are great ways to interact with delegates and people in the Eden community and. Um, yeah, there's lots of exciting things going on. We're also doing the town halls every uh, Sunday at 16 UTC as well, where people can join in the Eden Discord. Um, so these are great opportunities for the community to talk more and lots of exciting things going on. And then uh, I don't know if it's been said before because I, I came a couple minutes late, but all the election videos, in addition to the ones that Michael put up on BioWire YouTube channel, are also on the uh, Genesis.Eden community website as well, of course. So everybody can check out all of the election rooms uh, so far. I've I've only had the chance to watch one, but it's really cool watching, and uh, it's it's a great way to learn about what people are doing in the community as well. So if people haven't done that yet, I'm looking forward to watching a lot more. Then that's also uh, a great resource, and encourage people to check it out. But yeah, anyway, thank you very much uh, for everything going on in the Eden community and EOS community. Go Eden and go EOS. All right, great. Thanks, Dan, for uh, for that update and, and jumping on the show with us. Um, okay, all right. At this point, um, I think we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, hearing from Eve and Zach about the Token Twenty Forty Nine conferences. Uh, so that's personally something I've been looking forward to. Um, guys, are you uh, are you ready to jump on and share some thoughts? Yes, at least Zach. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. So I don't think has been here since uh, Korea either. So uh, there was a Twitter thread uh, following the Korean uh, tour, which happened before Token 2049. So that did get covered publicly, but then we weren't on the call while in Singapore. Then last week, everyone had COVID. So I think that's important too, if he's going to speak up today, is to start in Korea. Um and also, I guess we'll start there. Yeah. <laughs> so from my perspective, um, it was an awesome trip. Um, over 7,000 were in attendance. Um, when we initially uh, started uh, engaging with Token 2049 back in April, uh, I was only expected to be about 3,000 in attendance. So, And then the sponsorship prices all went up uh, significantly uh, leading up to the event uh, because of the demand for it. It was the the first. Um, it was the biggest and only the second major conference in Asia since uh, the COVID restrictions let up. So everyone, it was the first time kind of getting out of the house to go to a blockchain event in the Asian markets, which was quite significant. The only other uh, conference that was pretty big was uh, Blockchain Week Korea, and that one uh, was wasn't uh, nearly the same size. So it was just a really great opportunity to be able to tell our story, uh, talking to hundreds, uh, uh, me personally, just hundreds of people coming to the booth. We had prime uh, location, so it was 
essentially, I think in the trust EVM article that they published, it showed like the, the map of the event and where our booth was and where the trust EVM stage was. And our booth was essentially right outside the doors of the main stage. So everyone coming or going from the main stage had to walk past our booth. And that led to a ton of uh, foot traffic and, and conversation starters. Um, what we noticed was, uh, and this was brought up, I think, when Lovejoy went to consensus and we kind of got some insight from Zaisan because Zaisan had, uh, I believe, three or four different conferences in Europe under their belts before we went to Token 2049. And that is that there's a large part of the market that wasn't around in 2017 or 18. So there's a large part of the market that EOS is kind of starting with a fresh slate which is quite nice. And then the rest of the market who do remember uh, the 17, 18 uh, years of EOS, like the $4 billion, it was kind of very easy to explain the situation. And we also, on the Trust EVM stage, had a great opportunity to tell the story uh, in the Fireside chat. So I was happy uh, to see all of those videos get published uh, over this past weekend. So uh, some of you guys may have already uh, watched uh, both of them. So there was the scalability panel, which was uh, Eve on stage with uh, Solana. Their head of communications was the moderator. And then we had Aptos and uh, Algorand and Starkware all on stage. So I, I thought that was one of my personal highlights. And it was kind of like the the last, um, one of the last uh, keynotes of the event. It was a nice way to close it out because I, I felt like it really showcased that EOS belonged there. I think uh, Eve represented EOS quite well. Uh, my personal highlight was when the Solana guy, he was kind of trying to dunk on EOS a little bit. He brought up during the IDOS days how he was at Bison Trails, and at the time there were multiple terabytes being piped through of data and how it was like an issue. And how Eve was able to spin that one around on him and explain how, yeah, that's because we were doing 125 million transactions per day. EOS is the only chain that could ever handle that and has ever handled that. And how EOS isn't even just pushing the limits of blockchain technology. It's literally pushing the limits of hardware in, in general, in, in any type of uh, computation. So I thought that was one of my personal highlights was that particular piece of the panel. Um, but the conversations were good. A lot of um, insight from, I'll, I'll let you jump in whenever you want, but the, there's a, even though we're in a bear market, it didn't really feel like a bear market. Part of that was just the excitement of everyone meeting in person for the first time or not, not, not the first meeting in being out of the house for a crypto event in Asia for the first time. There's a lot of excitement there. But then it also kind of opened our eyes that um, like you often hear, uh, I mean, we're all in the bear market ourselves, but like with the Luna fiasco, with, with everyone kind of losing 99% of their portfolio overnight, like you, you, it's really easy to think of all of the people who lost a, a lot of money in, in that instance. But um, some of the feedback I got from Eve, like when he got back from Korea was that there's a lot of people who actually took profits and exited uh, before any of that happened. So there's actually quite a lot of uh, capital floating around throughout the ecosystem. There are a lot of projects still fundraising. There are a lot of projects, um, not projects, a lot of uh, funds that were actually seeking out investments. So that was quite interesting to see. 
Um, there was a lot of progress made on on the front of uh, the Trust EVM and and their their token launch. Um, progress was made on uh, EOS uh, Network Ventures, which uh, that's more of an Eve thing, but just lots of great things happening there. Um, the EOS community, so Ross from EOSphere and Rewired, uh, David from Shintai. Uh, Elvis the Cat from the EOS Telegram group, um, all being there was awesome. There was really no expectation that any of those three people were going to kind of be part of our conference strategy. Like we got them tickets because we had access to them from being the, the title sponsors. Um, and, and it would have been nice if they would have come and helped out for maybe an hour or two just to, so we can get some breaks. But they were literally in the booth the entire time. And it was a great experience. It kind of threw me back to the days of like 2018, 2019, when there were uh, quite a few large EOS events that I attended and having that kind of camaraderie of being around the EOS people. I, I also forgot Thiago from EOS Rio was also there the entire time. And it was just great to have all of those different perspectives. So, for example, like David from Shintai, like they, they were on EOS from the beginning as EOS 42. And then they launched Shintai. Now that Shintai is kind of like um, doing a separate chain, but they're still connected to EOS. Uh, they have some interesting things coming out uh, their pipeline in the next month or two, which I think will be advantageous uh, for EOS itself and, and some of the messaging around that. And then we had like Thiago from EOS Rio representing like one of the major like history solution providers and APIs. And then Ross from EOSphere, another block producer, but then with Rewired having that like enterprise like angle of, of like development, what they they try to do. Having all of those different perspectives in the booth was really nice and getting to hang out with them and kind of hear what 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 all they're they're working on and what what what's kind of in the pipeline, how we could help. Uh, it was awesome experience. Also, um, Myra Wang. So Myra's OG EOS community. She uh, works with us as part of the ENF China and leading the PR and marketing over there. So she was in the booth the whole time. Uh, excellent uh, meeting her. So I probably met her at B1 June, but didn't really have conversation. So spending time with her was awesome. Uh, great networker, uh, really, really good for making introductions to other projects and people. She has no fear uh, in making those conversations happen. And I thought that was very advantageous to us. Um, we also um, co-sponsored a, a BitMart event, so BitMart The Exchange. Uh, that event was very successful. There was like a line of probably like 500 people there. Um, that was an awesome event. Um did a little team dinner with uh, the EOS crew and also some uh, other people. Um, man, uh, Damien. So one of the, I don't think we even really talked about this that much, um, was Damien uh, Bayon. So one of our board members for the ENF, he was uh, an EOS OG. Uh, he was with Acro EOS, which was a BP at Mainnet launch. And then he was the director, I think the COO or the director of operations for ITM Games uh, in 2018, which was like a, one of the first GameFi projects and it was on EOS. They're doing NFTs before anyone else. Um, he Spending time with him and getting to know him better was an amazing experience. Um, he actually wasn't even planning to attend token 2049 but because the week prior when eve was in korea uh for for the for the up event and 
other uh, meetings with a variety of exchanges, VCs, just everyone that Damien could uh, open the doors for. Um, Damien had the opportunity to sit in on a lot of these meetings with with Eve and someone else and and hearing how everything we're doing and the updates and like also the reactions uh the reactions of the other people in the meetings so not just eve but the 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 people or the entities that that he was having these conversations with it really got damien excited and kind of reinvigorated him a bit because um even though he's on our 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 board he's also quite active with other uh projects since uh, kind of leaving the eos ecosystem a couple of years ago he's uh, been quite a successful vc himself and is quite connected in that realm and he um got excited so he actually booked a last minute ticket to come to singapore uh so i got to spend a lot of time with him got a lot of insight into the the korean markets and how they work and uh, what's on the horizon with the exchanges there in particular. So I, I think most people are probably aware that Korea has, um, there, there's the carry law where they, they have limited ability to uh, withdraw from exchanges. That's pretty well known. But what is kind of less talked about is the fact that um, because of the Luna situation and a lot of people losing money there, and even happening before that is they're really cracking down um on, on a lot of the tokens, they're going to be doing a lot of due diligence, all of the exchanges, like reinvestigating every single token listed on these exchanges and also doing due diligence, uh, requiring um, legal reviews and requiring all kinds of documentation from the projects or their foundations. And I, I thought it was just super good timing uh, that Eve was able to meet with those exchanges, all of the major ones, uh, while in Korea because it established the fact that one the like the nf is the the core code contributors and all of the exchanges at least the ones that run infrastructure for eos which is probably all of them they all kind of acknowledged it by upgrading their nodes the fact that their withdrawals and deposits are still working but also getting that touch point that face-to-face touch point i think was very important but then also the fact knowing like where we came from, the foundation was born out of its own community. We don't have a 30, 40% governance uh, oversight over the chain because of our treasury. Um, we never did an ICO. Um, so having all of these things working in our favor and getting ahead of the curve, knowing that um, the hammer is going to be coming down in Korea on a lot of projects, there's going to be a lot of projects that get delisted. Uh, getting ahead on that, I thought, was quite advantageous for us and good timing. Um, yeah, so that, that's my rant. I probably have more to say, but I want to see if uh, Eve's able to talk, and then I'll jump in some more. Uh, I can talk, uh, but instead of just giving a rundown, because you did a really good rundown, I'd actually rather leave it for people to ask questions based on what you just said and or any other questions people might have. I mean, you, 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 you kind of just gave a resume of everything. So I would be repeating a lot of what you said, <laughs> but in my words. Um, so yeah, like maybe Steph, because you're, you're the host for this. Do you have any questions that you can think of? Or Zach, do you have any questions that you think I, I can answer? Or anybody else? Like chime in. And, and as you can tell in my voice, I'm still sick. So I'll, I'll be muting and unmuting myself as I cough my lungs out. Uh, as Singapore ended up being a COVID super spreader event, uh, and then I came home to more COVID, and so I double blended COVIDs. So I've been quite sick for the last uh, two weeks or so. 
Hey, Eve, Daniel here. Hope you feel better soon. Um, we heard Zach's highlight. What his his moment was that moment between you and the Solana exchange in the in the um, um, I guess the whatever it was there. Your the uh, panel. We're, we're, the panel. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, what what was your highlight? Oh man, I um, that's a good question. I don't think I have an answer. I don't think I really had a highlight. I think uh, it's not really a cop-out answer, but as a whole, um, the discussions that we were having, especially I, I was there a week before Zach, so I was in South Korea beforehand. One thing that I heard repeatedly, um, and we just had a, a, every Wednesday in the ENF, we have an all staff meeting or like a, a, an open call for everybody that works in the ENF. And so we just talked about this. One thing that came about very much so um, for those that had been around in 2017 and that knew of EOS, uh, one thing that they mentioned, that the VCs mentioned on multiple occasions, so VCs that have been, especially in Korea, um, that have been incubating GameFi projects or that have been uh, incubating uh, within the space and whatnot, is that they, f they were really happy that they could start recommending EOS again uh, because they knew and they still know of EOS technical prowess but everything else was missing and they feel confident now that they could start recommending EOS as a chain of choice for people to deploy on uh, because the components that were missing which is the financial and non-financial support outside of the tech uh, they feel confident enough that are now present with what we've built over the last year and that was really cool to hear over and over um, at the same time, another highlight was somewhat to see how early on we are. The market really still doesn't care about a lot of uh, the tech at this point, but it will at some point, especially with GameFi, which is the direction that we've been positioning ourselves for and pretty much everybody else. So it's not unique to us or it's not, it's not like it's a magic secret sauce and, and we're the only ones who knew this. Um, getting that validation that that's very much where the capital is being deployed and that EOS is a natural fit for this and that people recognize this and that they now see that there's the level of support required to be able to um, support outside of what they can do from a financial point of view. That was really good uh, as well to kind of get that validation. All right, I've got a, a fun little question. Um... What is something that surprised you from a NEOS community member that you met for the first time? Uh, Elvis, the cat is a real person and he's much older than I thought when he finally told me his age after a week of being around him. There you go. Elvis, the cat is <laughs> super, super random fact. But anyways, yeah, Elvis, Elvis was great. I still don't even know what his real name is. Um, I'm not sure he told me, but no, like, like Zach said, we had a few people that joined uh, So you have Ross, you have Tiago, you have Elvis. Uh, there's a few other people there from the trusty VM team that were down and, and team from, uh, from ENF in China that were down and everybody's just really great. So, I mean, we had this booth, like Zach said, that had a tremendous traffic, um, it, it, so I was at Upit Developer Conference the week before, and I would say maybe there was 500 people, maybe 1,000 if we're really pushing it. Uh, and Token 2049 was completely uh, different. There was thousands and thousands of people. 
officially registered, I think was over 7,000, but it wouldn't surprise me that any given time, the majority of that, you know, 5,000 or more were actually present at any given time. So it's not like there was a large registration rate and very few people showed up. So there's tremendous traffic uh, and a lot of traffic at our booth nonstop. And everybody that came helped out um, unprompted in a way was, was really, really great. That was very cool. So thank you very much to, um, to those who came. You just, uh, I had a really obvious uh, lapse whenever I was calling out everyone. I didn't mention the trusty VM team. I mentioned everyone from EOS and Myra, um, but it was great to have a lot of FaceTime with the trusty VM team. So uh, since we've been incubating that project since like February, um, we, we have calls multiple times per week with them. Um, and we, we talk regularly in, in chats and everything as well. Um, but to meet in person and have that FaceTime was, was quite valuable, I believe. Um, also talking about the EVM. So they had some really good um, materials they, they made. I think they published some of them since then with like the swaps per second uh, charts and the latency. And it was really nice because EVM is a language everyone speaks because there's just so many projects that especially GameFi projects and projects in general where they are deployed on maybe Polygon and on Avalanche and it's nothing for them to deploy on other EVM chains. And when telling them the story of EOS and then like is EOS an EVM chain because they don't even know that some of these projects and saying, no, it's not, but but here let, let's, we could talk about the trust EVM. Uh, and then having that connection with them and having uh, those conversations leads to uh, projects indicating that they're excited about it, they wanted to deploy to it. So I think um, the EVM team had a lot of success, I believe, in, in their biz dev. I believe that they probably have a lot of contacts, hopefully, that they're uh, following up with over the next couple of weeks uh, because th there was um, clear interest there uh, from uh, EVM based projects. And that was part of the reason why we like very early on made a strategic bet saying like, we want to deploy an EVM on EOS because it, it, it's that, it's that door that was closed for, for the last few years. It's that first touch point to the wider uh, web three ecosystem. Now that door is uh, open and it opens up a lot of opportunities and it, it kind of um, if projects just want to stay on the EVM. That's fine. But if they want even uh, more performance or different feature sets, like the account permissions, for example, are quite unique to EOS native, um, they have that first touch point with the EOS ecosystem because of the EVM. So I thought that was um, a huge success, was seeing that validation. So I, I had no doubts that it would be validated of it, it being a good decision. But very early on, this was a, 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 low, a very low cost strategic bet, especially when, when you're in financial terms and what the investment has been to date into the EVM, it's it's quite low. Um, other investments from the ENF, like into Haifa DAO and like uh, the APIs and the blue papers, all of these other investments are much higher than what the EVM was and is. And to see the return on that we're already able to see uh, firsthand by having these conversations and hearing the interest and how easy it will be to have projects uh, deploying on the trust EVM. I thought that was a, a huge success as well. And that's coming off the backs of uh, the first round of their hackathon where they had some really uh, great projects that 
showcase themselves and plan to deploy on mainnet as well because that that's how they structured uh their dora hacks hackathon was projects only get half of the prize money if they don't deploy to mainnet so that kind of incentivizes them to deploy on mainnet uh so that that was another highlight for me was the validation that that was a really good decision to uh have the evm and then also the interest of like once talking to some of these funds and explaining the situation like there was a lot of i believe interest in um the the, the token and the eos token and it was just overall very good vibes I, I didn't really come as a surprise i kind of anticipated it and um also our story is very uh punk rock and awesome uh there were certain people who were like quite interested like i go on these rants and i could just talk and talk and talk and sometimes I need to like stop myself because I'm getting into the the weeds with people. Um, like right now. Like right now, yeah, yeah. And like just right now, like right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because there were actually a lot of people. Where I'm like, all right, I'm I'm getting into the weeds here. Like, no, tell me more. It was like telling like a like a fair, I don't know. <laughs> good story to people of this this Dow Genesis story of of how we kind of. We're, we're born out of our own community and everything that we've done over the last year, like the fact that like we accomplished more in the last year than a lot of other, definitely than EOS had in years prior, but even comparing ourselves to some of the larger projects, uh, like, like just running through the list of everything we've been able to do, like one year ago, there's just two of us. Like at this time last year, there were two people in the ENF. We had just funded Eden. The Eden election had just happened and, now look at like where we're at today it's just in- incredible the growth and and the the momentum shift um and it was it was really great to get out of the house even though i did come home with covid but it was really nice to get out of the house and have all those um first-hand touch points i'm glad you said that eos is punk rock i think that was very good I actually Great. stole that from Daniel Keyes. I think he said it on Twitter nice. one time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah, we should that own that. We are pretty punk. <laughs> oh, no, wait. That was a terrible punk rock sound effect. I had a, I had a question. Yeah. The, um, the question to Eve during the, um, during the talk from, uh, by, with uh, Bison Trails, where they mentioned you know, the issues that they had running EOS nodes, I was actually I was actually on their website and I found that um they said it takes them 3 months to start up a EOS node from the genesis block because of the replay speed but they have like a proprietary service that allows them to spin up a full node in 72 hours I think just from they basically have like a master copy that they that they can validate as opposed to reproducing everything but, uh, you know, I think it's kind of, and this is like a proprietary service that they offer. I mean, I, th- I think it's a valid concern, you know, the idea that, you know, you need like a supercomputer to run a, a full node. It har- it's hard to recommend people to run full nodes. And it has this uh, centralizing force over time where, oh, we need this proprietary service in order to, you know, use this effectively. So I was just wondering from a strategic messaging perspective is there kind of a better solution or a better way to you know something coming down the pipe that could help alleviate that concern because i think it's going to keep coming up 
from infrastructure providers as more third parties try to provide services in the ecosystem. I think we'll hear that, you know, we're going to hear that that uh, same concern over and over. So, uh, There's one initiative. So we're, we're currently, I'm not sure if it will really answer the question, but um, I guess the, the short-term answer is no. I don't think you need a supercomputer, but sure, you need a computer if you want to run uh, full history and you actually want to log all of uh, ADOS transactions during that period of time that, that Yas was doing 120, 125 million transactions per day, it will take a lot of time to catch up unless you replay from a snapshot. And if you want to replay from a snapshot, um, then you're you're losing that decentralization or that, I guess, provability that you've done everything from the beginning. Um, but on this, we're currently doing the uh, Antelope Coalition uh, priorities reprioritization for the next couple of months. And one of the things that we've uh, highlighted as one of our priorities from the ENF at the table or from the e from EOS at the table at the coalition is provable state domains. Uh, and if I understand correctly, that will not sure what that sound was, that will um, come and help uh, alleviate what you just mentioned. Uh, if I'm incorrect, please step in and, and uh, correct me. But uh, overall, yes, if you want to, you know, if you want to run any type of uh, history solution, you want to take into account every single transaction that's ever existed, you will require a lot of uh, time in order to catch up unless you do it through a, um, a snapshot. I mean, that's, I don't think there's a way of getting around uh, the amount of data that's been generated and that will just get worse and worse over time. It's the same thing with other, uh, other blockchains. So yes, inevitably that does centralize in the few entities that are able to do that. Unless you can figure out a way, and that's what I think perhaps provable state domains do, figure out a way that you'd be able to prove while that, that the information is accurate without having it replaying it yourself. Yeah, if I, yeah, I mean, if I... Problem. Sorry, go ahead. I think I understand <clears throat> what Eve's talking about, the kind of ability to prove that some state is valid without actually running the logic locally yourself. So that actually, if we had something like that, that would help a lot. <clears throat> Say kind of like, um, okay, well, if I'm just a third party, I know nothing about EOS. I just go download Leap and just put in the Genesis file, just like I would for a Bitcoin or Ethereum node, and I just run it, you know, you know, I, I it's not going to be a very good experience, but, you know, like, what if we have, you know, a snapshot that the entire community agrees on, say, like the day we the day we upgraded to leap or something like that. And we're like, this is the recommended kind of Genesis snapshot that everyone should use. And if you need state before this snapshot, then well, we already have what... that. And that that's the problem, right? So what we're what you're asking is not having to rely on the third party, regardless of who that might be. That's the issue. We already have snapshots provided by people that we all agree on. And ENF will also yeah. be providing snapshots, but it doesn't matter. You want to weigh so that you don't have to rely on me. To be right, able to but there's no... You can start from a snapshot. EOS Nation snapshot in blocks logs file and start up a chain immediately, but you have It'll to take trust like EOS Nation. An hour. Yeah. And, and you have to trust that the, the data that EOS Nation providing you is the truth. So with this feature that EOS is bringing to the table to the coalition, it removes that need to trust. It's, it's verified 
in itself that, okay, this matches the actual state of the chain. Yeah. I mean, I think that sounds, yeah, that sounds great. I'm just, I'm just suggesting that let's as a third party, they don't, a third party doesn't know what EOS nation is, you know, like we need maybe some kind of a branding around a specific snapshot that yeah, ENF will provide those, but you still, still then need to trust ENF. Of so course, we remove well, that need for trust. Someone to trust. Correct. But so now we remove that need for trust. I believe if we actually implement provable state domains. Uh, um, yes. Well, anyways, uh, overall, you I don't have great. to trust anyone. Uh, but yeah. uh, just on that, John, I'm not sure that that's what um, the direction, anyways, of the panel. From what I recall, that's not what we were really talking about. Um, he was trying to take a dig at, uh, it wasn't so much that it takes a long time to replay EOS. It was more so that at some point we had uh, prohibitive costs to, to host uh, history. And so it was more of a hard drive question because we were having question, we were having discussion beforehand uh, offstage about this. And he was just trying to showcase that at some point, if you accumulate a lot of data, there's going to be a cost to store all of that data. So it was more so from that angle that he was taking it. Yeah, there's more to it than that. Like, okay, if you're if you're ingesting a terabyte of data per day or something like that, that means a terabyte of data needs to pass through your network setup and your CPU and your RAM all has to process that. So it's not just a you can't just throw hard drives at it. You know, it's like the entire infrastructure has to be able to sustain that kind of bandwidth, which most blockchains don't. So that's just why there's confusion or concern around that from third parties. Uh, there's a question that I see was asked uh, by Trim Bob, but wasn't asked uh, verbally. It's great to share a story and for people to say, wow, that's amazing. But were there any conversations with VCs or whales that gave you the impression that a meaningful amount of new capital may enter the ecosystem in 2022? Not necessarily formal commitments, but implicit ones. Definitely, yes. So one of the big parts of uh, the agenda and the goals for these meetings was to secure investment from VCs uh, towards ENV. So we talked about the EOS, talked about EOS network ventures um, on the fireside before. So we solidified that um, and solidified how that would come about and kind of the the actual framework, um, not just legal framework, but just the design architecture of, of what this would, how this would be. And so, uh, yes, definitely uh, some formal commitments um, in, from some people, yes. Uh, as well as then, like Zach mentioned, for EVM, one of the big things was to get closer to securing that lead investor. Uh, and we are one step closer to securing that lead investor that we've been trying to get for a period of time. I think one thing that uh, majority of people don't realize. So they hear of seed funding round, private funding round, and they think that's great. I would like to give my $5,000 in your seed funding round, uh, but that's not really what's going to be happening. So for seed funding round and private funding round, what uh, Trusty VM is attempting to do, which is very standard, there's nothing special about this, is to secure lead investors and to secure named investors. So as much as it's nice that your grandma wanna, might want to give $5,000 and buy EVM tokens, um, putting your grandma's picture or your grandma's name on a website won't attract other investors. I mean, I don't know who your grandma is, but making an assumption that your grandma is not a known VC. 
Uh, and so really a big part of, of this was to secure known VCs uh, that would be part of the investors because then that attracts then more external capital afterwards. Uh, and then you get the private sale, the public sales, sorry. And then you get the public sales within those. That's when you get uh, benefits to EOS token holders, for example, that, we, that we've been mentioning, uh, but that, that's not public yet in terms of what that will represent. But for seed and private rounds, uh, getting the brand name investors, the brand name VCs, a part of that to help offer that support because it's more than just um, the financial support. It's also everything else that comes alongside that. It's what else can they do? For example, if you had Binance Labs as a lead investor, does that perhaps also open doors for token listings or for anything else? Like what else can that investor do to help benefit that ecosystem that's outside of just the funding? Um, that was a huge part of what this trip was about. And uh, definitely to answer your question, um, yes, there were conversations with VCs or whales that gave me the impression that a meaningful amount of new capital may enter the ecosystem. Did my audio break or did everyone just get real quiet? Everybody just got real quiet. Yeah, so I mean, that's always been the goal since um, the EVM announcement uh, from back in April, or not announcement, but from the first like Twitter Spaces event in, in April, when like, it was mentioned the reasons why EVM will have the EVM tick, token ticker. Um, part of it is governance. So you have these node operators who are much different than EOS node operators. So governing their own chain, it, EVM is a chain within a chain, if you think of it like that. But another reason is for bringing external capital into the EOS ecosystem. And that's very much uh, what, what's going to happen. Every, uh, the conversations were good. And uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, like when I was uh, kind of, Talking about my excitement, how the the strategic bet on doing an EVM it was just validation that it made sense. The amount of capital that's gone into that, like I said, it, it's less than's gone into wallets. It's less than's gone into APIs. It's less than what went to the blue papers. So, like, we have all of these other investments and less than Haifadal. We have all these other in, in grants and investments that are much higher. But there, there's no real expectation on like ROI for the network itself. Whereas with, with EVM, like for, for less than a million dollars, um, there's going to be this return on investment of many millions of dollars coming back into the ecosystem externally. So not just capital from EOS token holders swapping their EOS for EVM, but from these large uh, known funds bringing their capital in. They're bringing that capital in from stable coins. They're bringing that capital in from BNB or ETH or wherever their, their capital is parked. That's coming into the EOS ecosystem. It's external capital. And that, that's always been the goal. And I, I think um, all of that's being validated. It, it was being validated before these in-person events. And it definitely got validated even further after uh, all, all of the face-to-face -face and conversations that happened uh, in Asia over the last couple of weeks.
And then as far as on, on the EOS side of things too, is the EOS Network Ventures is continuing to move along. Um, we just finalized uh, a lot of the all of the text for the um, Q3 quarterly report that will be out uh, soon. And that'll showcase that EOS Network Ventures is still on track for Q4. So as soon as there, there's more to share, we will share it. But every, everything's going really well on that front. And I'm looking forward to uh, discussing it more. Uh, Blockchain Spock asked what parts of EOS will new VCs invest in, only EVM? No, so I mentioned EOS Network Ventures, ENV, uh, which we've been talking about now for quite some time. The name previous to this was um, ENF Ventures, and now it's just ENV. Uh, that would be, uh, it will have multiple funds, but the main fund will be an EOS ecosystem fund. Uh, so very specific only to EOS. Uh, and that's where ENV will have, uh, will be attracting uh, and, as, and as I mentioned, answering the previous question, has attracted more LPs that will be specific to investing in the EOS ecosystem. And when I say EOS ecosystem, uh, I, I'm not uh, saying EOS.io or Antelope, I mean EOS. And on top of that, it'll be a completely separate entity from the ENF. That's part of the reason for the name change. It'll have its own leadership, its own uh, spokespeople, its own marketing, uh, its own projects, um, and it'll very much be aligned uh, with EOS, 100% aligned with EOS. Awesome, cool. Chase has come here from Challenge Jack, and uh, one thing that I wanted to ask was, uh, is there any current development that has exchanges excited or uh, investors and excited uh, out there? The main one is EVM, for sure. The amount of um, uh, interest in investing in EVM, uh, yeah, far outmatched anything else. So one of the issues that we've been having with ENF for quite some time, or I guess EOS ecosystem, is we don't have a vehicle for external capital to come in. So ENF has been filling that role and has been um, doing direct investing as well as then doing investing to, uh, through the uh, in undirected, uh, indirect um, mechanisms such as Eden and then Pomelo, and then direct mechanisms such as uh, the grant framework. But one thing we don't have is the larger level of investments vehicles. So a VC type of thing that can do larger investments for equity in return. So we've been very much missing that. And ENV is that, that last piece, that fourth pillar in the funding mechanisms. Uh, no, so e, um, question Jack by so how can EOS holders participate? So this is, a, is going to be standard uh, VC. So unless you are an LP and you have a, a certain amount of uh, money to invest, um, no, this is not a, a uh, invest, um, you know, here's my $5 I'd like to put in the EOS ecosystem. This is very much geared towards uh, larger investments to be able to attract large external um, investments into the EOS ecosystem. 
So we do have funding mechanisms that are good for smaller investors, such as Pomelo, I think is probably the better one. Um, but in terms of being able to raise capital for larger investments, we're talking about Series A and up, uh, very much a traditional VC structure with uh, larger LPs with minimums that are most likely out of reach for most people, unless you are an LP yourself or have an entity that is an LP. Yeah. Um, so from speaking with some of these uh, other funds, like for them that have their own GPs, they won't even take investment from individual investors unless they have at least a half a million dollars. That's to get into their fund. And then those funds would be the ones that would be part of uh, EOS Network Ventures. Uh, is fund from new capital or from ENF selling EOS tokens? No, the, the goal of this, um, and this is a really good question. So it, we have not had since the ICO any external capital coming in the ecosystem realistically at a partnership level at all. And so for a period of time, we just didn't have any capital. So it was only the inflation. Now, at least in the last year, we've been able to take um, some of that inflation and reinvesting it into the ecosystem. The next part is to get external capital once again to be able to go and invest into the ecosystem. Of course, they'll want to make returns. So this needs to be uh, strategic investments. That's why there's equity in return. That's why they need to do research. The GPs will be making research into what they potentially could invest in. Uh, so it's not just going to be a free for all. Uh, you have an idea and somehow GPs believe that it's you know, that, that somehow magically now you get a million dollars worth of investment. Uh, so it's going to be very traditional in the, in the sense that you, you need to be able to raise capital, but that is the component that we're missing. So right now we have levels of funding through Eden, Pomelo and ENF that are, let's say $250,000 and lower. But what happens when it's greater than that? What happens when your business already has a functional product and what you're looking for is a million dollars or $2 million worth of investment, a series A or something like that. We don't have that vehicle right now. And that's what ENV would be, is that vehicle to be able to do so. The other advantage for ENV would be, so looking at like HyphaDAO is a one of the largest grants we've ever uh, given out because this DAO infrastructure, this DAO as a service is something that EOS is severely lacking and it wasn't worth the risk of waiting any longer to delay it for a, a vehicle such as ENV to come to fruition. So if a project needed that kind of capital, like with HyphaDAO, the return on investment is, well, we're giving all of these services to the EOS uh, token holders and then... Um, giving the uh, subsidies to like Eden, for example, you can get special access to um, like the, the premium, the most top tier premium services that HyphaDAO has to offer is all going to Eden for free in perpetuity. There's other benefits with just the free tier and then just creating functionality that didn't exist within HyphaDAO that has been on their roadmap for a really long time, but it just needed the, the capital to get it developed. So that was kind of the return on investment with them. But if this, if a similar deal, let's say, were to happen a year from now, then it, it wouldn't really make sense to do it as such a large grant. It would probably be done through uh, ENV or some other similar vehicle that we haven't even thought of yet. But 
let's say E and V in this case. And in that case, there there might be um, instead with a grant, you're really just giving away capital. There's milestones to it, and there's re- non-capital return on investment, but it, it's still not always. Um, with HyphaDAO, I think the incentives are completely aligned. So let me just state that outright is that I think the HyphaDAO was a great opportunity for EOS token holders and it was a good deal. But if that much capital was needed from another project, some unknown project, it would make sense for there to be some kind of return on uh, whether that be equity or if it's a new project that's going to have a token or an existing project that has a token treasury that they're able to allocate tokens from under a vesting schedule. Those would be the types of deals that right now the ENF cannot make and shouldn't make. Um, but with a vehicle like uh, EOS Network Ventures, those types of deals would happen through that vehicle. And it would be completely separate from the ENF, but the, the ENF, the, the incentives would still be aligned, aligned uh, with the EOS Network 100%. Every uh, investment coming out of that fund would be to the benefit of EOS. It's an EOS ecosystem fund. And uh, just to add blockchain spark, uh, the ENF likely would be NLP in ENFV. questions for uh, Zach and Eve about uh, conferences or basically anything else um, before we go on to another topic and, and I believe maybe uh, Eve has some other commitments he might need to leave soon no I cancelled I'm good I'm good boom cancelled for the fireside let's go Is there um, any progress that you would like to discuss about any particular stablecoins without naming names? Uh, I mean, that's... (laughs) Sure, might as well just say it if you're going to say that. Um, So we've been working with Huobi uh, and with Binance, both in particular, to try and list EOS USDT. Uh, We've gotten quotes from... Uh, whole B, so waiting on, on Binance. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're pushing that file along. So there's, um, when we took on this file earlier last year, that was one of the first priorities that we set as the ENF, uh, the regulatory landscape in China changed right after. So for those who recall last year, if you had any account on uh, any of the exchanges linked to China, basically by December 31st, and even around the world after that, uh, you need to close your accounts or you, you couldn't be a resident of that country anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a lot of the listings just stop um, everywhere. But those reopened. Uh, for those who don't know, Justin Sun just bought Huobi. Uh, I'm not sure that's public yet, but here you go. Now it's public here. Um, it is public. It is public. Okay. So uh, anyways, we 
we are working with Hobi to to list USDT EOS. We're looking at the what the marketing would be like, what kind of campaign we would do, how we attach that to Yield Plus, and we're doing the same thing with Binance as well. Glad that's public. I saw it come up a, a few times recently as if the file wasn't moving along, but it has been. Uh, we said we would share news when there was news, and now there's news. And I think this ties in, you've mentioned Yield Plus, it ties in heavily with Yield Plus. Um, when uh, DeFi summer hit 2020, when DeFi box launched and DeFi's network launched, and uh, there was an influx of, of DeFi activity, EOS was quite limited in its ability to take advantage of that because of the um, inability to access native USDT EOS version uh, to deposit and withdraw from exchanges like Huobi or like Binance. Because a lot of uh, on-chain activity comes from different arbitrage opportunities, especially at the time we had the, uh, some deep liquidity pools against uh, PBTC and PETH. And when you're running these arbitrage trades, you typically hold um, both sides of the trade on chain and both sides of the trade on some centralized exchange. So let's say you're, you're arbing the EOS USD pair. So if, if there's a better price on Binance and you can buy EOS cheaper on chain, then you buy it on chain and in your accounts are constantly rebalancing. But depending on the direction of the trades, you eventually get to this point where on either the centralized exchange or on chain, you have a bunch of Tether, for example. And when you have a bunch of Tether on EOS, and it's the EOS version of Tether, but you need to send it to Binance, you're in a bit of a pickle there. And it just doesn't, it, it limits the ability to make these large multi-million dollar uh, capital deployments on chain because you can't actually... Um, close your close your arbitrage trades and i probably did a very bad job at explaining that maybe denis could help uh make it make more sense but it, it was a huge disadvantage for eos at the time and we're working to close that gap and it ties in perfectly with yield plus which is going into its full launch this monday uh october 17th i believe yeah 17th and that'll offer essentially a 5% yield subsidy on USDT, native USDT on EOS and EOS itself. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And we can probably get into that topic next if I don't yeah, know what was can, on Steph's agenda. But yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I can expand a few more things, uh, a few more use cases on USDT. So you explain the trading opportunities, which which is a really big thing. There's a lot of traders that trade across multiple exchanges. They uh, usually have to provide liquidity on both sides. So if you block one one of those sides, well, you essentially block the entire trade. And then all you do is you in, essentially um, have to force exchanges to communicate in another asset, non-EOS, because they have to use either Tron or Ethereum or some other USDT pair because the EOS rails are blocked for that exchange. Um, but one of the big things too is, is being a liquidity provider. So let's say if you are uh, a holder of assets and you are you prefer using Binance, you've KYC'd, you've or Huobi. If you're a liquidity provider and you've done all your your KYC and you you have a trusted exchange and you want to participate on on-chain activity and deposit your tether or deposit your assets on chain, and you cannot withdraw your tether from Binance to on-chain, 
you are not going to provide liquidity on chain because you you can't use your exchange. So it really blocks a lot of the potential of participating on chain. So right now we see that there's a lot of EOS movement, like EOS, the token itself is is moving a lot between exchanges. The issue is that nobody can get on chain to participate in any incentive structures. So right now we're with uh, Yield Plus, we're going to be adding uh, on chain incentives to attract liquidity providers uh, you know, to participate in, in general purpose DeFi applications on chain. And well, you need Tether and uh, exchanges need to be able to deposit and withdraw so that we can get community members that have assets on these exchanges to be able to withdraw safely and deposit. So the second big use case is, you know, giving opportunities for liquidity providers and earning rewards on chain with these on-chain mechanism. And the other big uh, use case that actually we've seen a lot is Tron. So Tron USDT, um, I would say I, I use Tron USDT, not because I like using Tron, because it's the cheapest tether transfer from all the exchanges you might pay like. Because it's the only one available. It's the only one that's like under $20. You know, it's um, if you want to withdraw Tether from Ethereum, you're going to pay a $10 to $20 uh, withdraw fee from the exchanges because they have to cover the transaction cost. And Tron is under a dollar. You know, they still have to make a profit. So the actual on-chain transfer might cost maybe 50 cents, maybe 20 cents. But the exchanges will usually limit to about like a dollar withdraw fee. And Tron has actually been primarily the the tether rails for a lot of people that are trying to do cheap tether withdrawals. So once we can get EOS listed as a primary pair that has good good rails for tether between uh, top tier exchanges, people will start using EOS because it will be the cheapest tether rail that blockchain has to offer that as long as the support is there for all the top tier exchanges. So the third use case I would say is just moving tether around between exchanges as a really cost effective uh, way. And uh, yeah, that's uh, so those are the use cases for tether. There's I'm sure there's more, but those are the the three big ones. Eve, are you going to personally buy an exchange sometime soon? <laughs> Uh, not personally. No, I guess it could be a smaller, like, is there an exchange for sell for like $5? I might have budget for that. <laughs> All right. I'll stay. I'll stay Fire sale. For those. Uh, blockchain Spock, you asked another question, but I'm guessing, um, it says, will ENF provide? I'm guessing you mean, will ENV? Can you confirm? Otherwise it's a, it's a very different answer. Uh, both well, ENF already provides financial reports, so I'm I'm guessing the answer is yes. We already do, so I'm not sure what similar is there. Uh, ENF it'll be a, a standard uh, VC fund, so they will provide to the LPs and such. Uh, but as the capital will not be coming in from EOS, it will be coming in from the LPs. They are not beholden to, um, I guess, provide reports to EOS. It's somewhat irrelevant. However. ENF as an LP would be getting reports and ENF would then be uh, making available what is relevant. Sure. But uh, imagine your grandma puts money in an LP right now. I'm not sure why you would get access to that unless you're relevant to that. Think of ENV as a vehicle to be able to get capital outside of EOS into EOS. 
Yeah, so maybe to continue talking a bit about the Yield Plus uh, launch that's coming up. Um, for those of you who have not seen it, there's a report that came out recently highlighting a lot of cool stats and numbers of, um, of the activity, uh, on-chain activity in DeFi on EOS as it relates to the Yield Plus uh, program, of course. Um, so I definitely invite you guys to check that out. Not too long, not too complicated to read. I actually screenshotted a few images uh, that I'm going to share here in the chat. Um, the most interesting one, I think, was this relative change in TLV image. Um, the last one I shared here uh, between EOS and large cap layer one. So it's it's clear that you know, TLV went down across the board in crypto in these, in these, uh, during this time frame. But relative to others, EOS actually outperformed by over 10%. So that's pretty cool to see and maybe gives a hint at what is to come once Yield Plus, Yield Plus fully launches with the 5% yield as opposed to the 1% yield that is currently ongoing during this, uh, this trial period. So Zach com comes in here, uh, says that it's the chart that I, I shared is uh, compared to Ethereum, Polygon, Avalanche, Tron, Solana, and Binance Smart Chain. So just wanted to uh, share that with you guys. Yeah, I think uh, the, the chart that you shared, I think, was also the, uh, the chart that I found the most interesting, which was the relative to... Um, like TVL relative to market cap, relative to other sectors. So again, if there's a crypto downturn, uh, EOS will, will go down. It, it, no doubt in my mind that EOS will go down if the greater crypto community will go down. The only question is how down relative to the other downs? And right now we're outperforming the down. Uh, we're still down, but we're not as down as the other crypto markets. So that's a, a positive for EOS to... Um, retain some of its TVL in a downward market. Um, and I think also in the report, it shows a few uh, TVL to market cap ratios. Um, so right now we're, um, I would say relatively low, but there's a lot, also a lot of um, applications that still need to be registered. So sometimes the growth, uh, perhaps in the next month, um, once the uh, Yield Plus launches, there's going to be an increase in growth in the next phase. Um, primarily because applications are signing up. So now the, that data will be more tracked. Uh, so there's a little bit of difference on the growth by new applications signing up. And then after a couple of reports, then we'll see if the, um, the growth is actually the growth within the applications that are uh, currently subscribed or, or new applications joining and attracting more TVL. So that will be uh, interesting to have those benchmarks um, after a couple of more reports. Um, and in the report, it's, so there's a seven, I think it, it calculates seven applications. Um, so there will be more applications joining uh, every month. But right now there are seven applications with a total of 18.3 million in TVL being reported. And that 18.3 million, yeah, 18.3 million TVL is, is uh, both EOS and Tether. So it's not counting any... Um, other alt tokens that are a little bit more uh, illiquid. So these are hard assets, uh, EOS and Tether, uh, 18.3 million. Um, and 
alongside that article, there is the launch. So I think um, just to be clear, it's the 17th of October, uh, 13 UTC is when it's aimed to launch the uh, accelerated rewards. So the official launch will start with a funding of about 300,000 EOS, initially funded by ENF. So right now the, the transfers are in place. And on the 17th, we the Yield Plus program will increase its reward by 5x, so to 5% APY per year on the EOS and Tether assets. So looking forward to seeing more applications join. I'm looking forward to seeing TVL grow and all the things that will come after this um, in the coming months. Maybe Zach, did you want to, I know we opened up the, the, the floor on Yield Plus. Did you have any uh, other remarks that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, some negative interest rates on loans. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, like on DeFi Box, for example, uh, you could generate a stable coin. USN is their stable coin. Um, so essentially, I lock up EOS as collateral. Think of it like taking out a mortgage against your house. You lock up your collateral. And I could create stable coins for only 1%. It cost me 1%. But... We know that DeFi Box uh, through Yield Plus is earning a 5% subsidy on my EOS that I have staked into their lending protocol. So it would be smart for a project like DeFi Box or like Pizza DeFi to offer negative interest rates. So they actually will pay you to borrow money. Uh, and then whenever you take that additional money, it's like monetary expansion, you could put that money to work into other um, DeFi thingies uh, like an AMM or other other um, ways to earn yield and you could actually start stacking your yield earning opportunities and, and kind of leveraging yourself up at zero cost because typically whenever you have an open position or a loan over a long period of time um, you start especially in a stable market which in a bear market like typically things get really boring and sideways when things get really boring and sideways that's whenever the interest kind of eats away at your original um, collateral. But by offering a negative interest rate, you could actually, uh, or, or like a just neutral interest rate, so you're not actually paying any interest to borrow money. Um, I'm looking forward to those opportunities. I think they're very fun. I'll probably be taking some personal risky bets myself, not financial advice, but this is something I'm personally interested in. Um, and that's kind of what I'll be looking at first is looking for the uh, borrowing opportunities to borrow against my collateral um, and actually get paid to do so. And then once I borrow those stable coins or generate those stable coins, I'll probably throw them into a liquidity pool against more EOS. And then you could actually in DeFi box and pizza, you could actually borrow against your LP tokens also. So that's another like spitballing some yield opportunities, both pizza and DeFi box allow you to use LP tokens as collateral. So as uh, in the messages Steph just shared, like the messages from DeFi box, they're going to increase their yield on EOS USDT. So let's mo most people, you'd be silly to have 100% crypto. Most people have a stable coin position in addition to their crypto. So I, I personally hold a lot of EOS. I hold a lot of USDT. You put them together into this liquidity pool uh, on DeFi box and you're guaranteed to get a minimum of let's say the 5% subsidy plus if they're giving box tokens on top of it for extra incentive 
uh, you're earning yield on that. And then you could actually take those LP tokens, your collateral, and use them as collateral to generate more USN, for example. Then you could use that USN to leverage up and buy some other token or buy EOS or put it into an LP in itself. So that's what has me excited. Different Great. fun ways. And also just new projects uh, coming in. So that was one of the cool things we saw very recently. I was uh, right before posting the blog, I checked uh, tokenyield.io to see how things were going there and uh, which applications that were actually above the threshold, uh, which uh, the threshold is 200,000 EOS and TVL or T EOS equivalent with EOS and Tether. And there was actually a new project that entered the mix, or at least a new project to me, and that's MixDAO, for example. Uh, so they are the first uh, project that I had not previously used myself or heard of uh, that joined the Yield Plus uh, program and actually achieved the minimum TVL to start earning those liquidity rewards. And right now in the pilot phase, they're, they're minimal. It's a 1% subsidy. But I anticipate that with the 5% subsidy that some of these projects are going to be able to attract um, more liquidity to get above the threshold and start earning uh capital on that TV or earning yield on that TVL. Um, just looking at the chart now, there's a project called Farmland. That one's relatively new to me. OB Swap is relatively new to me. Pink Swap, I haven't used that one. So I'm looking forward to all of these new protocols kind of uh, coming out of the woodwork or even just being launched brand new uh, that aren't currently on the list of 13 protocols on, on Yield Plus. I'm looking forward to seeing new opportunities pop up and new like uh, swap aggregators. That, that, that'll be really cool is because there's a, um, a maximum. So once, once you have TVL above 6 million EOS on any particular protocol, um, it actually like you don't earn additional yield on that. So what that means is, for, for example, right now, DeFi box swap has they're almost at the maximum right now they have seven or they might be at the max actually they have 7.58 million dollars of tvl in their swap between usdt and eos so that means even if they increase uh the amount of tvl in their swap they're not going to get additional yield from the yield plus program it has a cap to it um that that caps a variable if if the DeFi, uh, EOS DeFi expands, that cap could always be lifted, but it's probably not going to happen uh, real soon. So what that, that does is it, it opens the opportunity in the door for other swaps to kind of uh, absorb some of that additional TVL. So then once you have multiple swaps uh, hitting the, the like uh, multi-million dollar TVLs, then you create all of this natural on-chain arbitrage against each other. Because if if there's an EOS USD pair on five different swaps and all five of those swap pools have deep enough liquidity where you can make substantial trades against each other to balance out the market, that creates trade volume. That trade volume actually increases the yield for all of the uh, LPs and to those uh, swaps. And it creates a really kind of like thriving DeFi ecosystem because it's robust. And that was the idea behind Yield Plus was to create a robust ecosystem where instead of it just being one DeFi protocol to rule them all, we actually encourage competition and encourage uh, opportunities for, for newer protocols because, like, like I said, like DeFi Box in particular, their swap, they can't earn any additional yield from Yield Plus. It, it, so there, there needs to be... Um, something else to absorb that. So I think it'll probably initially be DFS network because they're established. They already have $3.58 million in TVL in their swap. 
but I think we'll start seeing more swaps uh, come to fruition. And then once you have all of these swaps with liquidity, not only do you have that natural arbitrage happening on chain, which creates fees, but then it opens the door for a swap aggregator, something similar to like one inch uh, to come to fruition and have these new uh, DeFi products come to fruition because there's revenue opportunities for them. Yeah, correct. That's awesome. And and the and speaking of underdogs, uh, you can see the percentage also increase. So, like you're mentioning, uh, mixed DAO actually just uh, recently made it to the uh, the minimum TVL requirement. But you you see other ones that are below that requirement trying to attract capital. So you can see the ones that are trying to race to the minimum uh, TVL requirements. Um, and uh, I think Nudex, even just in the last 24 hours, has increased their TVL by 63 percent. So they're they're racing to get their their liquidity providers and their buy order books uh, to filled up, and um, yeah, it'll be really exciting to see projects trying to uh, reach that minimum. Uh, the minimum is 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 quite low in terms of um, uh, DeFi. Right? It's only uh, two hundred thousand EOS as a protocol, uh, so it is achievable for a lot of projects, and we've seen it with MixDAO. MixDAO. Uh, launched and they signed up. I think they had about 20,000 EOS. So they 10X'd within the last month. So this is definitely achievable for a lot of projects to uh, attract capital. Just need to put in the effort, the sweat equity, and the, have proper marketing campaigns to attract users to uh, deposit their, uh, their liquidity to the protocol. And hopefully that ties in with the uh, Tether listings and all the rails that will be open up to, uh, to the greater EOS ecosystem. I see um, Morton Mort- Matt uh, is talking about swap shops. It's not swap shop. It, it's it's <laughs> uh, it's real yield. Like if you're just um, like your 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 DeFi box or your Uniswap, and you're using your Uni tokens, your box tokens to subsidize yield, it, it, it's not actual revenue. Whereas the the swaps, when you can generate on chain volume. Every time I make a swap on DeFi box, 0.3% of my trade is going to the token holders who have their capital locked up into that liquidity pool. That's actual yield. That's revenue. That's what we're trying to create is real revenue generating opportunities for these DeFi protocols, not just token subsidies. We're doing it through a token subsidy, but it's to generate real yield. And like right now, EOS has less than $20 million of liquidity across all in EOS and USDT liquidity across all of its protocols. But I, ideally, with the success of this program, we, we can hopefully see hundreds of millions of dollars of liquidity across them. And that'll generate tens of millions of dollars of daily trade volume. And if you take tens of millions of dollars times 0.3% in swap fees, it turns into a significant amount of capital. And that, that's actual yield being generated. All right. Looks like uh, looks like we're going back to our old habits of of blowing past the two hour mark for these uh, fireside chats because I've still got a few topics left that I'd like to uh, discuss. Now I've got some people that are also wanting to share some updates. Um, Rhett, I don't know if you want to say hi before leaving. 
I see you there in the chat saying you know, you're signing off from Dubai. Got a busy day at the Future Blockchain Summit. And, oh, sorry. And then next week you can do an update. Great. So we'll hear from Rhett uh, next week. Uh, yeah, have a good night, Rhett. And uh, be well rested for your event tomorrow. Um, Waxa, did you want to come on and share some hackathon updates with everyone? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Great. Welcome back. That's the wrong button. So some good news. We now have over 400 participants entrants, which is great news. Um, to be precise, we've got 409 now. Um, the only issue is we don't have many submissions yet. So we're just waiting for those submissions. I kind of seeing this as a, a great opportunity for anyone listening to start to get involved because um, a reasonable amount of money on the line, 75000 in prize money so that that's incredible so get your ideas submitted we, we are expecting a flood of last minute submissions from the current entrance and october 31st will be the end of that submission period so it's time to get involved today we had a tokenomics and gamification workshop from darren swords he's from the ux network and origin as you most likely know already uh, it's a really great presentation highly recommend watching even if you're not entering the Ideaathon, it is available on our YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the chat any second now. Um, it's it, yeah, it's really worth a watch. Great insights from a leading specialist in this field. I found it really interesting. Next week on Friday, I'm hosting a community building and marketing workshop, which will be the final workshop. That will be on on at two p.m. UTC. Um, so it'll be great to see. See you there, and I look forward to answering any questions that you might have during my workshop. So yeah, time to get involved. 75000 in prize money available for the Ideaathon. And that's pretty much it. So thank you very much for letting me update. All right. Thanks, Waxa, for that update. Wax, wa yeah. I got a question. I have a question. It's a really important question. Go. Waxa, what is your accent? Where are you from? I'm from England. North of England. How close are you going to be in uh, London in November for Token 2049? Um, I haven't planned on it. I might be. All right. Yeah. That was my important question. I recognize your accent. Yeah. Even I will both be there. Eve will be on the main stage for another panel uh, as soon as we find out the topic and participants, which should be soon now that we're about a month away. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll be there. We'll have a booth there. Uh, some of the Zeissan team will be there. The Atomic Hub guys will be there. WordProof will be there. Um, can't think of any others off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the Bywire crew will show up. So there should be a decent EOS uh, group in in London. Rec Kid, I think he said he'll be there. So I'm looking forward to it. Another uh, in person uh, shindig, like in Token 2049, with uh, the EOS crew. Amazing. Um, let's touch base now. I'll, I'll meet you down there. Sounds great. Well. Mel's asking for a ticket in the chat. I don't know if that works. Good luck, Mel. Maybe it will. So we have a lot less tick. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get back to everyone on that because I would like to have an EOS presence. And I do know that con conference tickets could be expensive. Well, I'll see how many we could uh, negotiate with Token 2049 um, because they kind of owe us... Uh, from Singapore also, because we came in pretty big with there. Um, so I'll see how many extra tickets I can negotiate with Token 2049. We are sponsors just at a much lower level compared to Token 2049 uh, Singapore. 
but it would be great to have as many EOS community members in London as possible. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Um, quick more, uh, a few more quick hitter topics here before we go. Um, there was a new Antelope release this week, version 3.2. Um, I don't know if we have any technical people here on the call that want to jump on. Maybe Areg or who else do we have here? Phil, perhaps. Um, if you guys want to jump on real quick, maybe share a bit about what this update is all about. That'd be great. Or if not, I'll do a non-educated version. I'll just do a quick update. Um, there's a lot uh, There's a lot <laughs> here that um, if people are interested, they can go to the release notes, which uh, I'll post the chat right there. Um, but basically, um, as far as new features go, we have a new program called LeapUtil. There's, uh, the MVP of that is introduced in this release. The idea behind this is um, basically Nodios was, um, Nodios is meant to be used as a daemon. You start it up and it uh, runs uh, six blocks, uh, response to RPC requests. But it also has some functions in there that were more like um, one-off tasks, so, sort of similar to Clios, just doing something with some of the persisted data files of Nodios and then exiting. Uh, for example, extracting the, the genesis JSON from the block log. So those kinds of things really belong in a separate program that has a better user interface, similar to Clios with hierarchical uh, subcommands. So we've introduced LeapUtil to capture that kind of stuff. And for now, LeapUtil basically has absorbed the functions of EOSIO block log, which has uh, now been deprecated and will be removed in the future release, but we'll add additional functions to LeapUtil um, in the future. Um, this release also has a lot of enhancements to Clios. I won't go through all of them, but there's a, there's a bunch of new uh, subcommands and, and uh, some additional features, uh, details in the release notes. And then um, a big part of this release has been continuing uh, backports of, of changes from previous EOSI releases that didn't make the 3.1 cut. So there's a lot of additional backports, in, uh, many of them performance improvements um, that are called down the release notes you can take a look at. Um, so a lot of good stuff, performance and stability improvements. Um, and then there's also some some other uh, changes here and there, like logging improvements. Um, we've also called out a few different things that are uh, deprecated. So please pay attention to that. Um, deprecated meaning they're not really they're not removed yet, but uh, we expect to remove them in a future release. All right, that's it for me. Excellent, thank you, thank you for jumping on and sharing that. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, there's a new uh, Trust EVM roadmap that was announced uh, recently. I'll share that picture in the chat here real quickly. Um, and uh, I'm going to share the tweet from, from Trust EVM if you guys want to go retweet that bad boy. Um, basically, main uh, version 2 of the testnet release is now December 2022. Uh, and mainland, main net launch is scheduled for Q1 of 2023. Uh, and then um, 
more ecosystem improvements uh, in Q1, Q2 of 2023. So just wanted to put that out there. I know we get a lot of questions from TrustEVM, uh, about TrustEVM in the chats, in the Discord. Um, so here's a bit more information. Unfortunately, that team is in Asia, so they're not really able to join these firesides, uh, but still wanted to, uh, to share that news with you guys real quickly. Um, another quick hit here, here uh, regarding Pomelo. So today is the last day for the uh, survey, the Pomelo survey that we're doing for season three. So we're looking for your feedback about uh, season three Pomelo. It helps us tremendously to improve the Pomelo platform. So definitely take the two minutes uh, if you've participated as a creator or as a donor um, to fill out that survey. We appreciate it a lot. <coughs> season four, of course, was announced uh, last week. So it starts uh, mid-November where applications will open. Uh, I think it's the 14th of November, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the NFT sale has begun. So this week we dropped the first element of this season's NFT release, the Moon Rock. Uh, so you can, you can grab that at harvest.pomelo.io. And that's where you can grab all of the Pomelo NFT uh, releases that we're doing. Um, as always, or yeah, as, as always, we're releasing the grant collectibles part of the collection next week. So these are the top 20 grants according to matching amount raised in Pomelo season three. Uh, they get to be uh, immortalized on chain in the form of an NFT, showcasing a bit uh, of the stats for that grant. So that goes on sale. Uh, next week and we're hoping to raise 15,000 EOS for the matching pool of season four through these NFT sales. So of course all the money uh, spent to buy these NFTs goes directly to the matching pool for season four which of course supports builders building public goods on EOS. Um, so head on, head on out there join this NFT adventure that we've got cooking up for you guys. Um, and appreciate appreciate the support. So here we got uh, Yana in the chat sharing some tweets uh, about that. So applications open, yeah, November November fourteenth. Donations open November twenty fourth. We'll be hosting pitch sessions in English in the in Chinese community in the Korean community. Uh, so that's all going on again. Um, like I mentioned on previous uh, previous firesides. This year, we're doing a first-come, first-serve basis for these slots on the uh, Fireside Pitch Sessions. So make sure to have your grant applications sent in early so that you can get approved early so that you can then sign up for one of these spots to pitch your grant to the community. Um, so that covers uh, the quick Pomelo update I wanted to do for you guys. And actually, uh, yeah, that, that kind of wraps it up for the topics on my list. Um, of course, if you guys have any questions um, for me or for Eve or Zach or anyone else on the on the uh, call right now, now's the time. If you want to share some updates, sing a song maybe, but I don't think Patrick is here with us today. Uh, yeah, anything goes. We, we love to hear from you guys. Tony sharing and Pomelo Astronaut, that's a really Good looking one, actually. Is that is that yours, Tony, or is that just a, a favorite picture of yours? 
Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, that is that is very punk rock. That's amazing. That's a that's a great one. Yeah, so these Pomelo Astronaut NFTs you can usually earn by completing the NFT adventure. So some were released last season for the people who completed the season three NFT adventure. And maybe we'll be releasing more this season for people who co complete the season four adventure. And on, and on top of the uh, Pomelo uh, season, there's gonna be some new features coming out that we have not even shared internally. So uh, more to come on the NFT mechanics. Uh, they're pushed live, but we're not gonna talk about them on this call because we haven't even seen it as a team. So uh, some alpha there on the NFT Pomelo series. All right. I, a lot of mis- do I, do I know about this stuff? Or I don't do think I, you do. I don't, right, well, I think great. you do, but we I haven't love seen learning alpha about the projects I work on on the fireside. That's yeah, amazing. so tomorrow tomorrow we've got a, a demo. We're just going to kind of work out the quick, the, the sort of a little, you know, make sure that it all works. And then uh, and then we'll kind of work on an article explaining the, all the new mechanics. But uh, the, the, the features are live. For anybody right. to explore, so we'll see who who finds out uh, where those features are. It's a treasure hunt. Blue dog, blue dog, get yeah, out there. Find blue dog. out what Denise talking about, and please let me know. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, thanks, Denise, for that. No worries. Uh, we got a we got a request from Lovejoy. He wants to uh, for Aaron to grab the mic and give him an update. Um. Yeah, anything, anything going on with Grey Mass? I mean, I know there's tons going on with Grey Mass, but anything you want to share today going on with Grey Mass, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Um, I, I'm just trying to pick out of a hat on what I should share. I mean, I guess SDK communications should start ramping up here soon. Um, specifically, the project, the coalition has, uh, we're working with the coalition to take on to build new web client SDKs. Um, we've been kind of in our bubble working on outlining all of the architecture for it. Um, and we've, we just put out a update on our medium blog. Um, one day I want to say it came out. It kind of dives into that a little bit. Um, talks about the branding workshops we've been doing and trying to nail down something that's going to be inviting and exciting for developers. Um, We've been playing a, kind of a variant of code golf on GitHub to play with the ideas of the SDKs. Uh, the architecture discussions we've been having are kind of like we're planning the basement so we can build the house on it. And the code golf we're playing is more akin to like us taking crayons and drawing pictures of the house that we want to build. So we're kind of tackling it from both sides, which has been pretty fun. Um, we may try to get the community involved in that regard before we get too far past the architecture. Uh, so we might try to do some shout outs on that end. Um, and the, the kind of involvement we're looking for is, is like, what's, what's painful? Like, what do you want to be able to do when you're building your application? Um, and how can we make developers' lives easier? Uh, we have a lot of ideas of our own, but certainly inviting everybody to participate would help guide this process so lots of exciting stuff we're getting amped up about what we're going to be able to do with this code base and how much um, it's going to enable developers to build on the native side of 
EOS and other Antelope blockchains. So super exciting stuff. I've been trying to stay quiet and recharge my social energy recently. So sorry, I haven't brought these up, but we're getting all set up for the next push. There you go. Glad to hear, glad to hear you're recharging when you need to recharge. Um, what's the address for your blog? Seems like I found an old one Googling it. Oh, it's uh, graymass.medium.com right now is where we've been posting everything. And we every time we post something, we'll put it up on Twitter too, which is at graymass, B-R-E-Y-M-A-S-S. There, you there go. it is. Shared the link in the, in the chat here. Uh, progress update from October. Yeah, posted one day ago. Good stuff. And we're, we've been ramping up our content recently and trying to get our communications up. Um, the podcast is kind of revived. Uh, we want to create some sort of meaningful noise in the community, uh, however we can. It'll be nerdy, but eh, some people like that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's the impact you guys are going to have with the content. Of course, right. a lot of us love the nerdy content. Even if we sometimes can't understand it all. Well, look, looking forward there, uh, Aaron, and I think a lot of developers that are working in EOS are looking forward to seeing the the new SDKs that you're building for the APIs. So I know that I am looking forward to it. I haven't seen it. I haven't. I've been using your EOSIO core library a lot, but I think anything that improves the wallet flows uh, is definitely needed in this ecosystem. So. I'm your first customer. I'm, I'm sure there's a, many, a big line of customers waiting to start playing with the tools that you're building. So looking forward to it. Excited to hear it. And we would love the involvement as early on as possible. So that way we can make sure this is actually meeting people's needs. So, and if you like the core library, I think uh, the new SDKs will take a lot of inspiration from it and be based upon it to some extent. So, Great. There'll be... Uh, Less spaghetti code for a lot of projects. So yeah, uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of projects that have to fill in the gap, the the sort of the missing requirement of wallet integration, and it really made a support developer experience. Um, you know, just trying to integrate because you had to build all this spaghetti, you know, wallet integration, wallet exceptions. So uh, I'm yep. looking forward to having a a better library than our spaghetti code hacked together. You know. It works. It just, I, th I think someone can build something better. Yeah. Yeah. We've all, so many of us, I should say, have had a lot of experience in, like, we take the tools that kind of exist right now and we try them and we're like, ah, oh, it doesn't do everything we need it to. And so then we've all individually had to reinvent that wheel. <laughs> and now if we can come together and make one really good wheel that everybody can just copy, uh, it's just going to boost the rate at which we can build applications here. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. So and much of the dev hours we put into Pomelo Season so 1 was just, just link your wallet and make a transaction. Like, yeah. so much time went into just making that smooth. And we're still putting time into it, you know, now four, four or five seasons in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll second that. Yeah, it's not just spaghetti code we're saving. It's, it's like time. thousands of hours of, of, of dev time. Mm -hmm. We're trying and to maintain other, sanity. <laughs> yes, maintaining sanity for sure. And one of the big features for the wallet, um, and I'm not too sure if, if this is going to be integrated into your uh, new SDK, but is the co-signing, right? And ways mm -hmm. that 
the wallet can literally just put a flag, say, hey, just co-sign this. And you don't have to worry how it works. Well, a little bit, but um, you know, something that makes it easier for application or you know, application providers to add co-signing into the wallet. Uh, so we've had to build our own infrastructure and you've built your own infrastructure. And I think Nudex has built their infrastructure. Token Pocket has, Wombat has. That's like six teams building co-signing uh, implementations, uh, all slightly different, but all trying to follow the same workflow. And you know, one one copies the other, one inspires by the other, but they're all slightly different uh, implementations. So hopefully, I think we, hopefully with the co-signing, we can all get on the same page with that because it's a pretty common um, feature that developers are requesting. Yeah. That is definitely part of it. It's been in all, co-signing itself has been in all of our documentation. Um, we were calling it middleware for a little bit. And I think as of this week, we might be renaming a bunch of stuff to hooks. And that would be kind of a plugin that uses a pre-transaction signing hook to modify the transaction you were attempting to sign with a co-sign transaction. So... Great. And other examples of these kinds of hooks, like we've been looking at how IBC is done, because we know that's coming down the pipeline. And that is mm. both a kind of pre-signing and post-signing and pre-broadcasting hook. So mm. there, there will be ways, because I, like, imagine if IBC came out today, how much spaghetti code we'd all have to write to, like, do an IBC transaction. It would be crazy. Um, I'm, so, great. I'm yeah. glad that you're at step two and I'm at step one. So I'm, I'm looking one step ahead. You're looking two steps ahead. So that's amazing. I'm glad that you're you're uh, already looking at the IBC because I haven't even thought about the post-broadcasting and the pre-broadcasting. And yeah, that's going to be really useful. And once documented properly, I think uh, developers will most likely adopt that uh, functionality. Um, maybe not everybody will know why they're adopting it, but uh, some of those advanced use cases that you just described are, are definitely going to be... Uh, something that uh, some of the hardcore devs that will want that in their, uh, in their SDK. So yep. great to hear. Yeah. And it's all going to be designed in a way in which like, if you come up with a hook that's useful for IBC or co-signing or whatever other function people dream up with, publish it. And then other people can just use it because mm. these hooks will be plugins oh, um, that we can just move around and we can share and we can work together on because, uh, that's been something that we've kind of lacked for a long time is the ability to like collaborate in that ecosystem together. So hopefully this will serve as a stepping stone to improve that. I did say that you're at step two ahead. I think you're at step three. Uh, <laughs> so that's great Maybe. to hear. Yeah, definitely. Or step four. I don't know what step you're on, but you're definitely uh, ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah, we've so, been writing look, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to collaborate on, on plugins and hooks and stuff like that. Likewise. Cool. Great. Great to hear. All right. Anything else uh, from uh, the 40 people still in here today? Uh, we've gone past the two hours, but uh, yeah, last call, last call. If you want to jump on and uh, share something with the community.
there's one thing I'd like to share, or actually two. This is Dogman. Yes, Dogman. What's up? Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, two things that I meant to mention before in the beginning. Well, first off, thanks to Bon for the great show, and thanks everybody for all the great thoughts and go EOS. But then the two things that I wanted to mention while we were talking about Eden in the beginning, I forgot about it, was one, um, wanted to promote the Helios Twitter Spaces every Friday at 17 UTC. Waxa hosts this along with Chris and Gabriel, so two chief delegates and a delegate. And there's great discussions about Antelope in general there. And also, we tend to focus on Eden for probably about half the discussions as well. So if people are interested in learning more about Eden and participating and getting to know people or you know, sharing your thoughts, then I definitely encourage people to join the Helios Twitter space every Friday at 17 UTC. And then the second thing is that uh, this week in the Eden Fractal, we did a cool thing for the first time. Well, last week, we actually approved a proposal from Tadas, who's a great software architect uh, and great thinker in, in the EOS ecosystem. He made a proposal called Eden Plus Fractal, which basically combines the Eden election process with the Eden Fractal process. So during the same breakout rooms, basically, we do the Eden election process where we elect a delegate to make community decisions. And then we also do the ranking contributions of one through six to um, give respect and earn respect for people contributing to the community. And we do that in the same room. Uh, and then there's an elegant process where it's kind of fractal where people get elected form councils and councils and get elected for four weeks and so forth. It's a pretty simple proposal, but it's elegant and it's really cool. We just tried it for the first time today at the Eden Fractal meeting. And we, I think it's kind of like, I was just thinking it's kind of momentous. Like we did that the same week as the fourth Eden election. So that was really cool. And I wanted to, to say thank you for Tadas and everybody who participated in today. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it can be a super helpful mechanism. So um wanted to share it there. And then also over the past two weeks, uh, we've released Eden Town Halls on video for the first time. And we have a swarm out right now, actually, thanks to Jesse and Nicola and the bees. And so you can check out those to learn more about the different kinds of ways that the Eden community is reaching consensus with this fractal method. And I'm also going to be launching a new show where I did an interview with Tadas as well, um, which hopefully I'll release in the next couple of days as well. So thank you everybody once again for the great fireside chat and check out the Helios space on Fridays and uh, check out the town halls that are out now on YouTube on the Eden Creators YouTube channel and more coming soon. Thank you, everybody. That's great. Thanks, Doc, man, uh, for that update. Eagle, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure I understood your question there, so if you want to maybe re-ask it, I could take a shot at answering it. I think it's just asking, can he stake EOS and earn? And so... For Zach's recommendation earlier, I mean, just get to know the individual DeFi protocols that are um, offering opportunities for staking. And, you know, you have to do your own research and check around a little bit. Certainly not my area of expertise, but yes, there are staking opportunities that are increasingly you attractive. Stake, as on in EOS. Voting for block producers, that can earn you uh, 
a certain amount of yield, for example, at proxy.eosnation.io, you can stake to our proxy. Um, and then you can also uh, put your tokens or, or, or instead put your tokens in various DeFi protocols to earn yield there. So there's definitely ways to be earning yield on your EOS. And that yield is likely going up for these DeFi protocols with the upcoming launch, the full launch of the Yield Plus program. What is this? What is this joke about everyone freaking out about how good Lovejoy sounds? Did I miss something? After uh, we did that Heifedal podcast a few weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> he went out and bought himself some new equipment. He sounds amazing. Yeah, I was like so disturbed by how bad I sounded during that Haifa thing. And my background is radio broadcasting. And I was like, what am I doing? What have I become? I can't, I can't go out like this. So I went out and got some, some pro gear. I feel, I feel uh, like up to snuff now. Excellent. All right, last call. We're going to wrap it up here. All right. So that's going to be it for today. Thank you to our special guests, Zach and Eve, for joining us uh, on the Fireside. It was good to hear from you guys after a couple weeks not hearing from them. And of course, thank you to everyone else who participated in the show, made it interesting for everyone else who was listening to the show. So thanks everyone uh, for participating, whichever way that was. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm your host, Stefan, and I'm signing off. I hope everyone has a good night. And until next week, let's go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS.